Welcome to the Beeson Podcast, coming to you from Beeson Divinity School on the campus of Samford University. Now your hosts, Doug Sweeney and Kristen Padilla. Welcome to the Beeson Podcast. I'm your host, Doug Sweeney, here with my co-host, Kristen Padilla. And today, we are wrapping up our four-week series on the ministries of key African-American alumni. As you know, February is Black History Month, and at Beeson, it's also African-American Ministry Emphasis Month. Our guest today preached the word in chapel this morning and did so beautifully, I might add, and he's now here with us in the podcast studio to share about his ministry here in Birmingham in Bessemer, Alabama. Before we learn more about him, let me mention a couple of forthcoming events at the Divinity School. First, Beeson's Preaching Institute will sponsor a Day with a Beeson Author event featuring Timothy George, our founding dean and distinguished professor of divinity. This will be on March 14th. Dr. George will speak on reading scripture and preaching with the reformers. And second, Starting on March 15th, my good friend Bob Yarborough will deliver our annual Biblical Studies Lectures. Dr. Yarborough is a professor of New Testament at Covenant Theological Seminary in St. Louis. His lectures will take place March 15, 16, and 17. You are welcome to attend. Find out more about both of these things at beesondivinity.com events. All right, Kristen, who is this pastor sitting next to you today? Thanks, Doug. Uh, we have here in the studio the Reverend Dr. Reginald Calvert. Uh, Dr. Calvert is senior pastor of New Jerusalem Missionary Baptist Church in Bessemer, Alabama, and he's a two-time Beeson graduate, having earned his MDiv and DMIN degree. And Dr. Calvert, we're so blessed and grateful to have you with us today uh, to have this conversation. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. We always like to begin by hearing more personal words about our guest and allowing our guests to say a little bit about themselves. So why don't you introduce yourself to our podcast listeners? Tell us where you're from, your spiritual church upbringing, and um, anything else you want to share with us. Sure. Yes. My name is Reginald Calvert. Of course, I was um, born in Bessemer, Alabama, raised in Brighton, uh, attended two churches, um, um, Shiloh Baptist Church as well as Oak Grove Baptist Church. And uh, growing up, uh, came up in a household uh, that uh, religiously attended church. My father uh, was a deacon um, in the church for many years and our spiritual household leader. Uh, later, I um, married. I'm married to Carla McPherson Calvert, and we have two adult daughters, and uh, we reside in Birmingham. And I presently serve as pastor of New Jerusalem Baptist Church in Bessemer, where I've served since um, March of 1999. We want to know a little bit more about your church. Uh, Wilma and I have worshipped there and have delighted in it, but our listeners maybe have not been there yet. Can you tell them a little bit about your church and your ministry? And, and if you can, tell us how you felt the Lord calling you into pastoral ministry in the first place. Yes, thank you. Uh, yes, New Jerusalem uh, Baptist Church is a historic church established in 1890. Mm -hmm. 
And so it's been uh, active for quite some time, has, I think, beautifully transitioned with uh, today's time and culture uh, while still being faithful to the Word of God and the mission of Christ Jesus. We're still a church that God is still working through and developing us and um, you know, all a wonderful group of people in that church. Um, average age group, I would think, from 25 to 60. Very few elderly members uh, above 70 years old, uh, but seem to be pretty faithful uh, to Christ. So um, pretty good experience at New Jerusalem. My calling to ministry was very timely. It took some time. I was actually called as a young boy. I didn't actually preach until I was about 34 years old. Uh, fought the call, rejected the call, did not want to preach. Being an introvert, I just couldn't see myself standing in the presence of people talking. You know, I was very bashful and shy and insecure. Um, but over a period of time, uh, God, uh, power, drawing power, was greater than my rejection power. And mm. so <laughs> I ended up uh, being overly stressed, going into the hospital, uh, stress overload, and submitting uh, my will to his divine will. And then God really fast-tracked me. I served at Oak Grove Baptist Church uh, as a uh, youth minister for about two and a half years and after which I was invited to serve as pastor of New Jerusalem Baptist Church. I loved how you uh, spoke about that today in your chapel sermon, which um, listeners, we encourage you to go to our YouTube channel and listen to Dr. Calvert's sermon. Pastor Calvert, historically the pastor in the black church, is very involved in the community where they serve. You've been significantly involved in the life of Bessemer. You lead a Seek the Peace rally and prayer walk um, throughout the city alongside its city leaders and other ministers. I want to ask you, can you tell us about that specific rally in prayer that you lead? And then why is it so important to be involved in the community? And how do you see pastoral ministry going beyond the doors of the church building and into the community? Certainly, uh, I passed in a community that, in a sense, has declined as far as home, home values. And we have never wanted to to relocate our church ministry. I've always been grateful to drive in where there's truly a, a need. I realized over a period of time that I wasn't investing enough in the community because I was busy traveling and preaching across the nation. I will always come back and look at homes that need to be condemned and torn down and people in the community that needed spiritual uplifting. So I was like uh, Nehemiah, you know, uh, cupbearer to the king, but yet the walls have been burned and torn down. And I felt that I wasn't doing enough. And so I decided after certain um, tragedies in the city, certain young men were killed, at least three within three block radius of the church, uh, that someone needs to get up and organize and do something. And that is the development of Seek the Peace. We want to use that title of peace. We don't want anything controversial. Only if one understand that this is our mission. Based on Jeremiah 29 and 7, seek the pre-peace of that city. Pray for it. For if that city prospers, you will prosper. 
And so uh, that's our scripture basis. So what we do now, um, we're trying to get known in the community. We're trying to develop um, a relationship with people in the community. So that's why we have rallies and prayer walks. Rallies and prayer walks are not the answer to uh, the problems that we have. At least it will bring a sense of awareness. The power of prayer walks is the fact that um, people who never have anyone to pray for them, we get a prayer as we're walking past their home. Seems to whet their appetite for God and maybe even to attend the church. That's been our experience. Rallies are held to get more interest from people in the community that we're not like uh, the priest and the Levite, that we walk past the wounded and don't want to get involved, but we want to be like the Samaritan, uh, that we would take part in and uh, involve ourselves in the issues, the problems that exist within our communities. So that's the basis, the impetus behind um, uh, Seek the Peace, uh, the Seek the Peace initiative. Yes. Dr. Calvert, we mentioned at the top of the show that this is African-American Ministry Emphasis Month here at Beeson. Certainly not the only time of year we enjoy hearing from African-American preachers and alumni, but it's a special time when we do. And it's a time when we like to shine a light on African-American church history, past and present, and the role uh, that the Lord uh, has played in using that church history in shaping ministers of the gospel. I wonder, could you tell our listeners a little bit about, so who are some of the people, uh, particularly African-American pastors, theologians, ministers, who have been influential on your life and have shaped the way you do ministry? I grew up and spent a majority of my life in Shiloh Baptist Church. That's the church that my family attended. Uh, a Reverend Sterling Pipkin pastored that church. He was a bivocational pastor. However, he believed in education. And he would always um, uh, encourage us to uh, pursue education. And whatever we were assigned to do, that he thought education was important. So I would hear that in his sermons week in and week out. And just his involvement in the community, it helped me in my sociology that I should be involved. It goes beyond theology, you know. It's the practice of ministry. So uh, those are some of the things that influenced me in in the church growing up. God ultimately moved me to another church under the leadership of a Dr. Wilson Fallon, Jr. Mm-hmm. He's the president of the Birmingham Esonian Baptist Bible College. The moment I walked in after visiting many other churches, I saw, uh, I listened to him preach. Just his the way he was prepared, the way he prepared his messages and communicated with the people, I was just riveted to my seat. And I knew at that point this was the person I needed to sit under. So he had a tremendous influence in way of me um, pursuing education uh, at that time in my life. So I was two pastors that believed in, in preparation education. Uh, theologically, and I sort of cut through many, many preachers, certainly Gardner Taylor, you know, certainly uh, as we call him, the Prince of Preachers. Uh, some have called him the Dean of Preachers, uh, Caesar Clark, Sandy Ray, so many preachers that I would go to the convention and listen to. And I'll say, you know what, I, 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 I feel that I need to prepare myself to be able to preach and, uh, and communicate uh, on that level. Uh, they had a great influence. But until I heard Dr. Robert Smith Jr., uh, that's when my life changed, to be honest. Um, I was here at Beast that I'd never heard him preach. And I, 
listened to him. And I said to the Lord, this is preaching. This is biblical preaching. Because, you know, preachers did a wonderful job. Sometimes we take a text and maybe expound upon what's going on in life and maybe give an illustration from time to time or three points in a poem. But when I listened to Dr. Smith and his ability to, to just dig so deep within that passage and pull out things that you just wouldn't ordinarily hear or see, uh, it's as though, as he would say, that I'm saying what I see so that you can see what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Uh, it just really turned my life around. And at that point, uh, the Lord sent me to his office and said, uh, go see Dr. Smith and let him know if he needs anything, that, that you will do all you can to provide it. And so I spoke to my wife about it. We both agreed that we should do that. And from that point on, I started driving him to his preaching engagements, not in order to get an engagement, but just to learn, to listen, to spend time with this preacher. And that contributed mostly to the development of my uh, preaching ministry. As far as notable theologians, Henry Mitchell, Cleophus LaRue, um, uh, just great theologians in, in my opinion that I, I enjoy reading their work amongst many others. Well, listeners, if you heard a name that you don't recognize, uh, do a search and, and learn more about these people that Dr. Calvert has mentioned. I mentioned that you did your D-Men here at Beeson and your research was on the role of the Holy Spirit in preaching. In your chapel sermon this morning, you really brought that out um, about how we can understand God through God and through the Holy Spirit um, illumining His Word. And so why did you choose to study the Holy Spirit in relation to preaching? And can you share with us some of the things that you learned and reflected on in in your paper? Yes, thank you. Um, Of course, uh, my dissertation topic is uh, the work of the Holy Spirit in preaching and sermon listening, pneumatology and proclamation. This was important to me because I feel I feel that the the preacher bears the burden of the preaching experience on Sunday mornings. And oftentimes a minister can be well prepared to preach, but a congregation is not prepared to hear. When we talk about the Holy Spirit, we talk about the Holy Spirit in relations to gifts and guidance and those things, but never in way of the Holy Spirit being the great illuminator. You know, as Jesus in John 14, 26, that the Holy Spirit will recall these things to your remembrance or to your memory. Um, the Holy Spirit, uh, John 15, 26, will testify of me. This work of the Spirit that opens Christ to us, that we can see, we can hear Him. So I want to do a work that would be of value, not just for preachers, but for congregants. And what I discovered in my research is that people come to church and they want to hear dynamic words from the preacher, but in many cases they're not prepared. They come in distracted. They've spent all weekend doing um, secular activities with little preparation. So what I discovered was with uh, the Praxis group that participated is that they were assigned to start preparing for worship towards the weekend and to come in and not come to church tired and distracted, to pray for the preacher, to pray for the sermon, uh, and then pray for God to open up their ears so that they could hear. He who has ears, let him hear. So it won't fall under the category of the assignment of um, 
of Isaiah, in Isaiah chapter 6, you know, whom shall we send and who will go for us? Hear my Lord, send me. Okay, go tell the people that they shall be forever hearing, never perceiving, forever seeing, never perceiving, forever hearing and never understanding. We want God to open up people's understanding by the power of the Holy Spirit that they may experience Christ and also experience transformation. Dr. Calvert, we are proud to say that you are an alumnus of the year uh, at Beeson back in the year 2009. And one of the reasons why we do this podcast, certainly not the most important reason, but one of the reasons why we do this podcast is to shine a light on some of the ways in which the Lord is, is at work currently in Beeson Divinity School and its uh, ministries with students and the ways in which the Lord has used Beeson and its people all over the world. What would you say about the way the Lord has used your time at Beeson Divinity School in your own life and ministry? Beeson means so much to me. I really can't imagine my life apart from Beeson. Beeson uh, cares more about, uh, they care not only about my theological and ministry preparation, but uh, Beeson cares about me as a person. And that has meant so much to me in my life. The training, uh, the preparation, but also the relationship. After graduating from Beeson in 2005, you know, I thought my journey with Beeson would be over maybe until I decided to do a D-man. Uh, we considered a PhD, but at the time my wife didn't want us to be separated. And so I did a D-man here. But uh, Beeson was not finished with me and continued to reach out, continue to touch my life in so many ways. And I think that's the great benefit of being a part of the Beeson family. You're more than just a student. You're a family. You're an individual person. Not being in a classroom, you know, you're not in a classroom with, you know, 50 students. It's a more intimate setting. And uh, the uh, professors here are just great, well-trained. So it has really um, Beeson set a standard in my life, a standard of, uh, of excellence, also a standard of passion for people, um, patience, understanding, how to take care of myself, establishing devotional periods and devotional times. Uh, and, and then I, I think one of the greatest things for me is the fact that when I'm a, whenever I'm in sermon preparation, I don't have to go pick up a commentary to start my, my, my preparation. Uh, as one of the prof professors said in class, uh, you will be the commentator. Matter of fact, you will start your work without a commentary and you will exegete that passage and then later you can go and embrace the work of others. It's invaluable. So I'm still doing it the old-fashioned way. I have friends that have certain apps and downloads on their computer and I commend them. But with my Beeson training, I'm still spreading books out and doing it the old-fashioned way, uh, uh, you know, according to some people, because of what Beeson has poured into my life, and I want to embrace that. Mm -hmm. So I thank God for Beeson. I thank God for the languages and uh, how I'm able to execute a passage responsibly. Well, you have been such a blessing to the Beeson community. I know that you've been involved in the Preaching Institute, uh, preaching peer groups. Uh, you are currently a mentor to one of our current Beeson students. And we could mention a number of other ways in which you've been uh, so gracious in giving back to this community. So thank you. We always like to end the podcast by hearing what the Lord is doing in your life and teaching you uh, these days that might encourage and edify those listening. Yes, yes. Um, no, at this particular time, um, what God is doing in my life, he's pointing me to the community. 
to help the downtrodden, the marginalized, um, to develop a church that's willing to go beyond the four walls. And as they go to evangelize, to witness, and tell people about Christ, but not to stop there. We don't want to tell hungry people about Christ without giving them food. And so my commitment and devotion at this stage of my ministry is to make sure that we have covered every square mile. Starting in Bessemer, it's like the apostles. You start in Jerusalem, then Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the world. We're starting in Bessemer to get out and reach people and uh, and and present a gospel uh, that attracts people and not drive people away. So, in my opinion, uh, you know, and sometimes people may not understand what I'm saying, but Jesus was just so understanding, I put it that way. In my vernacular, I would say he was just so cool. He could just sit there under so many circumstances of people who were sinners, and he could minister to them in such a way that they would love him after they've been ministered to. How do you drop your water pot and run into town and tell people, come meet a man? After he's told you, you've been married five times, and the man that you're with now is not your husband. It is this love that radiates from Christ that I'm seeking to be able to reach people and say it's okay because life is hard, life is difficult. We're broken people. And so come, let us let us uh, uh, present Christ to you uh, that he may make you whole. There is a bomb in Gilead. There is a physician there. So, so that's where I am. That's where we are as a church. Amen. I think that's where we all ought to be. Thank you very much. Listeners, you've been hearing Dr. Reginald Calvert. He is the senior pastor of the New Jerusalem Missionary Baptist Church here in Bessemer, Alabama. We are proud to say he is a two-time alumnus of Beeson Divinity School. He preached a wonderful sermon for us this morning in chapel on the 104th Psalm. Please go to our YouTube page and listen to it. You will be blessed, I promise you. Thank you for tuning in, and thank you to you, Dr. Calvert, for being with us today. Thank you for having me. Goodbye for now. You've been listening to the Beeson Podcast. Our theme music is written and performed by Advent Birmingham of the Cathedral Church of the Advent in Birmingham, Alabama. Our engineer is Rob Willis. Our announcer is Mike Pascarello. Our co-hosts are Doug Sweeney and myself, Kristen Padilla. Please subscribe to the Beeson Podcast at BeesonDivinity.com slash podcast or on iTunes. Mm -hmm.